There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. El mundo enfrenta una pandemia. Encuentre respuestas y acceda a información veraz y confirmada en el especial de NTN24 sobre coronavirus COVID-19. Escuche los contenidos de NTN24 en su plataforma de podcast favorita. Total Wine and More now offers curbside pickup and same-day delivery in Northern Virginia. Have great finds at great prices delivered right to your car or to your door. It's easy to discover the more ways Total Wine and More has you covered at TotalWine.com. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've ever used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride-sharing services too. Yo, cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. All right, guys. Hershey's is putting emojis on their candy bars. Ooh. Wow. So my question to you is, what emoji would you pick or create to go on there? Damn. Now, uh, my question is, do they have a diabetes emoji? Because that would be my, that would be wow. my choice. That somebody's shooting themselves with insulin, like shooting themselves up? I mean, we can, we can talk about it. You can help me make one, um, okay. Mike. I'm, uh, I'm actually chocolate toast intolerant, so I'm going to have me? chocolate toast intolerant. What's chocolate toast? So, like, you know how you're uh, lactose? Uh-huh. I'm chocolate toast oh, you intolerant, okay. so I can't have chocolate. Uh, okay. So, it'll be the smoke. The smoke emoji. Because oh. that's what's going to be coming out oh, of my gulito. Tirapeo. Tirapeo. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Rachel. Um, I would like to see a mom emoji holding a toddler, a baby, a dirty diaper while reading uh, an email. Because I think that makes sense because chocolate will shut the kids up. You know, so it's really for the moms that they have to market this to. You need like a jumbo size Hershey bar. Yeah. Uh, I think we could work in all those details on one of those little microscopic emojis. So we're going to have to call President Hershey to see what's up. Uh, Frank? I thought he retired. Oh, I would get the, the, purple, uh, the purple eggplant with the squirting water. You, oh, you, you want to eat that? You get it. Oh, uh, okay. You know? oh, I like to pick vegetables. The Latinos Out Loud Podcast. 
Wow, that felt so good. At one point, I thought you were constipated with your yo's. You're like, it sounded like you boomeranged your yo and it came back. And it came back. That was what I was going for. Wow. Visual, uh, what I was trying to paint there it wasn't yeah. really visual. heads up. I'm probably have to edit about nine of those yo yo's. It was very long, you know. Why would you do that? Because it makes the show longer when you have like 53 yo yo's. My yo's are worth it. Don't play with her yo yo's. How about that? No. Juan Pago, that's your name. Mine is Rachel La Loca. This is the Latinos Out Loud podcast. We're going out of order today. That's just what it is. You're just breaking rules, right? After 100, you just make up rules. It's 101. So anything we could do, anything goes today. Okay. It's Latinos Out Loud. All right, no, let's just do it the right way, I guess. Okay. This is the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Okay, this is episode, can I say 101? Yeah. Everybody knows it's season five. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know. But then we're going to just have to keep going on that. Like, you know. 105, Ooh. 108, 111. Is that going to be too long? What should we do? Well, I'm Rachel La Loca. <laughs> my name has already been said, so <laughs> just rewind and you'll know my name. Oh. Jay Ferns. Bless you. Frank Nibs. What up? Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? Here we are. I like this conversation. I think the listeners need to like listen and tell us what you think. Should we do 101 or should we go back to season five, episode, que se yo que? Right. Yeah, I think uh, who's more of a fan of triple digit, <laughs> triple digit numbers, and who's more of a fan of double digit numbers? Mm. I'm trying to make them triple digits. It just gets too. It just gets too complicated. Season five, episode twenty three, season six. I don't I know just if think it's say better. this, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. We you need know? to simplify, and that's it. And Hendel so... just waved at us. By the way, Hendel, um, we have to talk <laughs> because of the last the live show. I mean, you were stressed out because some of us, you know. Are you okay, oh, wow. Hendel? Yeah. So Hendel's... this is how we're starting to to, to review the last show. <laughs> well, I we mean... know you're, we're going on a negative note. It's not even negative. Okay, but all right, Hendel, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Well, hello, guys. Hey, oh, hello, there. how you doing, buddy? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to say it was such a pleasure to uh, produce the show live. You know, I think all you guys did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Except Thank I did you. not know yeah. that. It would be the Jamie Fernandez show the whole oh, time. Oh boy, oh hey. boy, oh boy. I mean, the three well. barbers, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the pigeon in the heights, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. but like, you know, I kept signaling to him like, yo, you got to cut that down, bro. You got to cut that down. <laughs> okay. But he kept going on sure. and on and, and he has on a point. And, and look, on. I, Andrew, I apologize. I apologize. Um, number one, um, I was getting laughs. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, and laughter is a drug. And you, when you're in, if you're well, addicted to the to the giggles, you just need more, right? So I was getting my high off of those things. Um, but look, I did see Hendel. There's one time Hendel actually walked off the the set, and I thought he was gonna try to get my mic cut off. Oh <laughs> my god! Like Almost. angrily walked I was off. Like, Wait, where Wait, the, I took my job seriously. Where the hell did Hendel go? I just he just did you like break a clipboard over your knee? <laughs> <laughs> and the went to the back. He went to like the, the director, like, "Yo, cut the mic off now! Give me um, the keys to the studio." <laughs> and secondly, look, I yes. I saw him uh, on my perif. I couldn't I couldn't tell him that I saw him because it was just gonna break the whole my you know my rhythm, right? What's the point of having great perif if you can't apply my periph. your perif? No, I had I had paid my peripheral, but um, I I just I wasn't. 
if I would have like acknowledged it, people would have seen you it and it would have taken man. off my. You in zone, I was in a zone. Um, like and the third place. and the final zone. thing was I had my final segment. I normally I would cut out my final segment. But my final segment was all about making fun of Mike. Yes, thank and you for I not cutting to, that out. I, I had to die that. on that sword. Ooh. I had to die on that sword, and I did it. You know, in spite of Handel um, being Eesh. angry with me, I had. Eesh. I think he can understand that. Um, <laughs> to, if you, re- you know, I went for the joke to really embarrass to try to embarrass Mike live. And <laughs> hey, Jamie. So I'm just gonna say, you know, I I really appreciate your apology, but Mike and Rachel, this is what happens when motherfuckers go to L.A. Whoa. Whoa! I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. Handel, I love Handel, but Handel, like, like as each week we get to know more, it's like just bent up, like, you know what I mean? And like, but Handel's right. Like, Jamie, I don't know what happened to you. You had like 150. Standing room Yo, only. I had AV. You got when you working with AV, you gotta kind of like the. I can't. You can't rush through that. I can't be like, yo, go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. Yeah, Yo, you gotta like let that marinate. You know what I'm saying? It's well, like, you did a great job. You know, yep. I. I, I sure did. You, you did. Know, I was in the bed. It's like you're in the bedroom. You're not gonna rush it because if you rush yeah, it, Jamie. then, then Yo, yeah, your like partner that. is not gonna be satisfied. So the audience was my partner, and if I would have just came a little <laughs> I mean, bit early, there's certain situations where even a rush Yo. job will do the job. Yeah, I gotta so, tell you, though, it's just even a little quickie. Hen- Yo, but if Hendo's looking at me, I can't finish, right? <laughs> Okay. I wouldn't be able to either. What are we talking about? The I'm show. so lost right now. The show. <laughs> All right. Think we're talking can about. Can we can we talk about more positive things of the show? Yes. Absolutely. All right. What Wait, are some of the hot? Can we just okay. say like oh, just man. in case you're tuning in and you didn't listen to the last uh. episode, which for the three of you right now, I mean, <laughs> everybody who's anybody listened to the last episode because. We interviewed Lin-Manuel fucking Miranda, mm. his father, Oz Rodriguez of Saturday Night Live. Forgive me. I, by the way, is anyone going to say, oh, I'm proud of you, Rachel, for not cursing a lot last week? You kept like, it clean. You kept I it kept PG. it clean. Yeah. I kept it somewhat. If anybody dropped an F-bomb, it was fucking Jamie. He did? Yeah, you yeah. did. Twice. I, the I don't remember right. exactly, was, but I remember sitting count. in my seat and I was just like... <laughs> That, that no, goes to show you how I, Rachel I, I, thinks. Bombs off stage, I mean. That no. goes to show you how Rachel thinks. She's like, I'm so proud of myself. I didn't do f bombs. <laughs> By the way, Jamie, I counted you, and you had three and a half f bombs. No, see, that's Just how you saying. think. I think, cause that's how you think. <laughs> what? That's not how I think. This show is so confusing. What I was saying is just that. Wow, I'm surprised, cause if anybody, I thought I was gonna break like I did for Lent last year uh, on day two, <laughs> and you are the one. So. So you curse. Jamie, I got to tell you, it's the most satisfying feeling when you do your dad jokes and the way the audience reacts. It's just freaking hilarious. Are you know? okay with that? Does that do anything to you or are you okay? About what? Your like dad when jokes. Jamie! Hey, were they, I didn't hear that live. Were they saying that? No, they weren't saying Jamie, but like, you know, obviously how I mean, people some react. Jokes, I didn't think were dad jokes. I thought they were just jokes. Okay. How many Jamies we did? We did a few Jamies. Yeah, right? we did some Jamies. Yeah, I know when Jamie. I'm doing a dad Jamie J- dad joke, and then I know when I'm just doing a joke. You did one with Lynn. He almost left the show. Oh, oh my that, god, oh. that was amazing. But that was a, that was off the top of that was just nah. like an improv because <laughs> I, like I was getting because Lynn's dad totally dissed me on my I, nah. my in the heights idea. I I like, and he wasn't acting. That was real talk. I needed he to save face. Said, I think the idea sucks. sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it moving. So I, I needed to have a little joke there, or else I would have just been like, "Oh, I like right. your, I like your Mary Poppins thing." That was great. Yeah. 
I just want to just put it out there right now. I just want to say, I, as a friend of mm-hmm. 18 years, Frank, yes. I was so impressed, bro. You really, yes. you brought it, bro. Wow, yes, you, Mike. That, that manic, crazy, uh-huh. you're probably going to kill 19 people to prep for the show. <laughs> Great. But, yo, dude, it was amazing, bro. Like, nah. I'm telling you, people were like, you need your own show. And I agree. After nah, that. I owe it to you guys. Honestly, Jamie, Jamie grilled me for like five hours one day in Tibby's house. Rachel Sounds helped me true. with the props and idea. Tibby helped me with the video and everything. We love so, you, Frank. Thank you so much. How guys. did it feel? Yeah, how did it feel, man? It felt amazing. You were in a, you yes. were in a zone. Let's yes. discuss. Yes. Let's discuss. Stop stealing my lines. Nah, Frank, let's discuss. Let's, yeah, let's discuss. Nah, I, honestly, guys, I always tell you, it's a, it's a platform for me, and I am, I feel blessed, honestly. You're looking like, good feel... out there in them streets, Frank. Yo, you yeah. dressed nice. Some people hit me up in the heights, you know. People started hitting me up, you know. I got some, I got some edibles. You know, we got some edibles. I'm not. Oh, gonna... oh, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's discuss. Yo, why is it? Why is it that Frank always gets the goodies? Like everybody's like, whatever. Like, I swear to God, I'm getting. Tell up. us, tell everybody what happened. I'm getting off the stage, and this girl from the heights. I'm not gonna say her name. I'm gonna just say V. She just comes up to me. She's like, Yo, what's up? I want to talk to you. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? She's like, Yo, I love you, show. I love you guys. I've been hearing you. Guys. Guys, I'm like, wow. I'm such a fan. I love you guys so much. She was like, yo, I got this for you. And I was like, she she was she introduced me to her husband. I met her husband. I'm like, hey, how you doing, guys? She's like, yeah, I got this, guys. This for everybody. Let, you know, let me know how everybody likes it. And you guys know the cookies. They were delicious. Mm. They were like the Mexican pastry, but a cookie. It was, I forget what that Mexican pastry was. It was like a strawberry cookie. But that's like a famous decor of a Mexican cookie, okay, but it was a cookie. Shit, it was I don't edible. know. I don't know. That shit was good. I don't know. Beautifully packaged. <laughs> we got to shout that business out in the notes of right, this right, podcast. Right. No, no, eventually. Look she, for it. She hit me up. She said, not yet. She told me, not yet. She told me, fuck, oh, not okay, yet. Right. And I she, felt great, Tony yeah, the yeah, Tiger. Yeah, she was like, that's for your 100th guy. Just, you know. Oh, I did the 200. She told me she'll come by. She told me, I'm going to come by for a little bit more. I was like, yes, let me know. Yo, she gave us like half a dozen. Big ones. Yes, everybody ate off of that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Chris oh, Merck hit it up. My boy Randy. Shout out to up. Chris Merck. Shout yeah. out to everybody who came yeah. through. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Sold out crowd. People beautiful. like it was a mix of like let's discuss the mix. It was yeah, a smorgasbord. It was past guests, ride or die supporters, people who obviously came to see Lynn, and by people I mean white people. <laughs> <laughs> Latin knows loud? What is this? We should we should When does Lynn come on stage? We should have charged a little bit more for them because they I'm you know they, they buy they buying those Hamilton tickets like oh, 800. That's 800. Right. I'd pay a lot more than that. The last performance with Lynn Manuel Miranda? Of course I'm gonna pay seven thousand dollars. <laughs> they had a bolita on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> they had something called Malta. Yo, so, by the way, I was there, original cast. I went to the bodega, I bought Jamie, one, it's great. Can we can we talk about Jamie that lipstick? That was on you. How long did it take you? Yo. To take that? Oh, so we had an abuela. Yeah. Uh, an official abuela. Uh, Which, by the way, that's the same abuela if uh, from the award-winning sketch that we were part of with Latino Vortex. She was in that sketch. Shout out to Broadway yeah. Video, Mas Mejor. Yes. So, But she laid a smack on she you. She laid like, a pretty big kiss, and then I, I had her lipstick on my cheek for the whole show. She grabbed your face it like a Walitas do they like that, you know? Man, like, it was <laughs> a hardcore, like, it was. I think it was two kisses. It was Coño, like, like two cheek kisses. And then she gave me a cake, but I was like, if you what see, she gave you her cake? If what? you see the live show um, on the actual Green Space site, because they had, I don't know if they still have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. They have the video. Go check that out. Great quality. Um, 
and and you'll see that I have like a I have a little lipstick. It looks Every like I was making out. Like I Every was time making it was a close up. Every time there was a close up to you, I'm like, yo, it's there. She gave me a hickey. <laughs> she fucking. Eh, uh, ab- eh, she bit my earlobe. I was like, what the hell? Like a cougar. <laughs> So yeah. look, in conclusion, um, we want to thank everybody that showed up. Yeah. Um, we want to thank the Green Space. We want to thank Lin Manuel, his father, and Oz. It was a great experience. And if you guys want to check out the show, it is on YouTube yes. and Facebook. We'll put the link. Just search for Latinos Out Loud Live Life. on YouTube, and it's still there. But it's not going to be there for very long. You know? Don't sleep. Just we, say it. Now we need excuses just to do other live shows yes because you can't wait for the 200 Jamie, you're a d- no, you're right. <laughs> oh you know me let's go episode 105 let's you know? do it again yeah. 105 feels like a good milestone no I'm a, if we do another one Hendel's gonna put like a buzzer on my seat so if I go along it's like what it's the hell was shot. that yo yeah. <laughs> that shit hurt yeah Hendel's gonna go hard body alright so now it's time for the bochincha bites I'm so sorry Jamie you don't have monitors to show your bochincha bites. I know you got spoiled. spoiled. But now it's time for the bochincha bites. I've been waiting all day. Ay. I've been waiting Ay. all night. Ay. I've been waiting Ay. all day. Bochincha bites. I've been waiting all day. I've been waiting all night. I've been waiting all day. Bochincha bites. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. loco. We back in the studio. Yes. Hey, back with back with CJ. Jay. We love CJ. We sure do. Even on the West Coast, we still call him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Diego's walking around right now. Man, my name ain't CJ. <laughs> Shout out uh, to West Coast CJ. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Tibby for last for the live show for last week. The Word. AV, his yeah. AV was on Yo, point. Photoshopping. Oh, elevated, elevated my bites last week, and it was great. And he helped, and he was the mastermind with all those uh, all those images. He just kept. He kept uh, texting me like images, and I was like, "This is funny. This is funny." Yeah, Mike's face looks funny on that body, definitely. So, that okay, was great. Yeah. Um, Thanks to you, there were a couple <laughs> group texts that cropped the picture of me in a dress. Remember, Frank? There yeah. was a couple group texts. I didn't like, know that. I'm I like, you're taking that. this out of context. It was part of the show. It was all, <laughs> see, right there, all worth it. All worth it. Um, first bite. There was a video last week, uh, which I can't show because now we're on fire. <laughs> you were about to cue to I the was. video. I was pointing to the wall. And there's nothing on the wall. What are you doing? The vi- <laughs> a, a video last week of a man drop kicking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh and shit! This was in the back, in his back. So he kicked. The it was. A, it was a back. young kid, I think. A young kid. This was at the Arnold Classic. Africa Sports Festival in Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah, but oh. it was like a little wow. fly. It looked like a little fly just hit him. Like nothing. Well, yeah. He's 71 he, he, years old. He barely moves. You see the video? He barely moves after the kick. Yeah. And Arnold's like 70 years old. But yeah. he still looks like he could fuck up a predator. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like an older predator. Like an AARP predator. <laughs> but still, he got like the guns. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. This seems like it sounds like it was like a, a somebody dared this kid. Yeah, like, yo, yeah, yeah. Yo, I Absolutely. dare you to drop like, kick Arnold Schwarzenegger and shit. And the kid was like, "You don't think I would do it? I'll do that." Watch. Shit. There's a theory behind that too. You know why that go. kid did that? Okay. Now nah, that happened in South Africa, guys. And there's a theory that Arnold's uh, father was like a high-ranking Nazi, and a lot of people know still know about that. And that kid, like, you know, oh, sure. so that kid. Yeah. Did it in honor of his family? For my ancestors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is for my grandfather. <laughs> what? But no, but they said that he, the kid was shouting out, like, I want a Lamborghini. Yeah, it was a prank. So yeah, is that, that like a Nazi prank. car? Like Lamborghini? Maybe, was, Hitler, you know? was Hitler driving Lamborghinis back Italian. in the day? Sure. Well, um, European cars. 
I th- uh, look. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> after this happened um, Arnold went on Twitter on his Twitter he said he barely felt anything of course but he was pissed because it ruined his Snapchat story oh. <laughs> so Arnold's built like a barbarian but he tweets like a 14 year old girl like it's weird <laughs> my Snapchat is ruined <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows why they, I mean I, nobody really knows why this guy dropkick Arnold but I thought I, initially that it was going to be like a new Instagram uh, challenge. challenge yeah like drop people, kick people going to start the drop the... kick celebrity challenge be careful what you ask for this is Jamie, a popular podcast too. it is yo I might start that shit I might be like yo I'm Jamie Fernandez <laughs> for the Instagram drop kick ca- challenge yeah. yo Ryan Seacrest watch your back literally <laughs> boom <laughs> um, but yeah that's that might happen we'll see <laughs> shit uh, next bite uh, uh, wait, before, wait, can I just say, Arnold's huge, right? He, in his 70s, he's still working out. Mike, you are a gym rat. When you turn 70, are you still going to be yeah. going to the gym? Yeah, 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 I'm definitely going to be still, still working But out. even yeah. with your bones so brittle, like, don't you want to just be, like, at <laughs> home, you, you just, like, at, wasting? I, I'm going to waste away at 70. I don't even want Are you to, using your particular really? bites time to attack me? No, I'm going to wear them. Like, when I'm 70, I'm going to be, like, a, like I'm going to look like Marlon Brando in Doc, Island of Dr. Moreau. I'm, I'm going to wear a moo-moo. I'm a fucking that's just comfy. That's comfy, right? I would love to see a ten year old dropkick your ass when you're seventy years old. Little kid. What are you gonna send DJ and Benjamin? I'm gonna tell him late, Benjamin, yeah. Hadouken, go do what I taught you. Go. Okay, mommy. Go kick deal. <laughs> okay, guys, next bite. Um, a group of middle school students in Ohio allegedly served allegedly served urine and semen-filled crepes Damn. to their teachers oh, during God. a gourmet cooking competition. That's crazy. Did, did, crepes. Did you have that in your school? I never had a gourmet <laughs> cooking competition in my school. <laughs> but this is, this is gross. I, whatever happened to just giving a teacher an apple, right? I never knew that you, it would go this far. Disgusting. Um, and I like that they went to the trouble of like actually making a crepe. I know. So it's wow. like a delightful like French a dessert. fine French pastry. Yeah, yeah. let me make a, ni- a, 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 like a delicious French pastry and then they were like time for the secret ingredient unzip and then just Ew. wow literally um, wow. look we don't even know um, the students are claiming innocence right and <laughs> whose semen is it then no, exactly one of the students lawyers said we don't know if urine or semen was ever placed in anyone's food I don't know how the school would know that so that means someone ate the crepes uh. and was like okay who came in this crepe <laughs> I know semen when I taste it. Who came in my crepe? It's salty. Uh, Frank, you have a, like a funny little academic story, right? Oh, man. Fuck. One, you, Frank you, was a terror for four years, bro. I can't hear. I'm going to step away. Oh. Did you, you, semen, it, I, did you semenize a teacher's? No, 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 no. no semenize? Nah. That's a term? No, no. When I used to, I was a kid, I used to, we used to work in Burger King. I'm not going to say where. And we used to, uh, Fort, Wait, we used to Fort, Lee, <laughs> Fort Lee, New Jersey, everybody. I want to protect the oh, Burger what location? King. They, <laughs> nah, they're, they're not there any longer, by the way. Okay. We were like we were like 13, 14 working in Burger King. Oh, uh, wait. And it was legal to work. No wonder when the, you did When that. the customers used to fuck with us, we used to put uh, flies. I'm surprised you even plate. said Burger King. Yo, it was in a Royal Burger um, establishment. <laughs> I'm not gonna say what what place it was, but we used to put flies in the flame broil and let the you know burger go through and then put the cheese on top. Oh. 
and look at the people eating it that used to fuck Surprise, with us. So. Wait, you work? This is where you work? You worked here? Yeah, when I was at like 13? 14. Oh, that's another topic right there. Yeah, you know, back in the days, you know, you had like, a, you know, you, you scoop the flies. Yeah, from the floor and from the from the from the you know the fly trap? from the tape from the, from the tape. Wow. Okay. You know? I'm getting ready. This now. is before cameras, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. And um, you serve them to people who you felt were deserving. Well, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. They fuck with us. Of yeah. a fucking McFly burger. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you ever by accident brought them home? And then, like, gave it to your family members by accident? <sighs> Yo, Frank, never invite me to your house for a home-cooked meal, okay? I will say the one time I came close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I knew it was coming. You're welcome. Hey! Uh, you got a bunch of perks today. I swear to God. I don't know what's in the air. There's a lot of pollen, I heard. Uh, um, the one time I came close to this was, I think, an experience at a fine burger establishment here in New York City, mm. one of which has several chains, boasts to be organic, you know? Wow. And we'll put the link in the uh, this show <laughs> description. I go there, I used to go there religiously with my kid because he liked the meal, the little kid meal, whatever. Mm. And I sent my salad back because it was missing something that I really wanted. And it came back extra gooey. Wow. And once I tasted the goo, I was I was just like, I was through. I tasted the goo and I was through. Because... Like, my mouth feels pregnant. Uh. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys, um, last, last bite. And this is also another pretty gross bite. Um, of course. Lamar Odom revealed that he used a prosthetic penis to pass what? a drug test for the 2004 Olympics. Wow. Now, wow. this is how it went down. He, had, he got his trainer. They, they went to his house for the test. His trainer um, squeezed... Uh, <laughs> he used the prosthetics being uh, squeezed... He basically... All right, I, he's like, I unzipped my pants and carefully slid the fake penis through the zipper hole to get the pee to come out of the tip. I had to squeeze the shaft repeatedly. So this was the pee from his trainer who evidently didn't do drugs. Oh, Good wow. thing there weren't any crepes around there. <laughs> Um, just creeps I think this prosthetic penis should be in the basketball hall of fame you know be like here we have Larry Bird's jersey uh, Michael Jordan sneakers and Lamar Lamar Odom's cock Uh, his cock piece his cock piece yeah Um, always gotta have a good cock piece in the same autobiography Lamar Odom says he has sex with over 2,000 women so I wouldn't be surprised if he used that penis <laughs> multi yeah. multi purpose. Yeah, you can't have that much sex with just one penis. You gotta, you know, you need that backup penis. Mm. Um, Tibby, actually, uh, you work in this field. <laughs> yeah, in the field of which one? Making dildos or like doing the testing? I'm curious. So my proper job is I'm a toxicologist, and um, I collect samples. In other words, I t- I go to the bathroom with those clients and get their sample. So oh. I collect I collect, I collect urine all day. Oh, interesting. So, so some clients, you know, they try different things in order to cheat. They bring like a condom, try to pop it, or bring like a prescription bottle and try to open up and everything else. So you watch the process of the key. Yeah. So, so I you, see, have to, uh, you have to stare at them. Uh, do you do eye contact while they're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, and and which um, eye? <laughs> the third one. Uh, <laughs> I see you. So, so um, especially when I used to work in Brooklyn, I used to test corp clients, federal clients, all types of clients. Wow. Um, and the the cheating did a, was a lot over there too. So one of the things that people tried doing was bringing what the proper term is wizenator. Wizenator. A wizenator. Was that one of Arnold's movies? <laughs> <laughs> I am the wizenator. So, so, so I'll pee down. down. <laughs> he so, probably peed after he got kicked. <laughs> 
<laughs> I peed on myself again. I am the Wizardator. You didn't like my I'll pee back? I thought that was fucking great. Come to the Wizardator. I didn't. I just heard it. Yeah, because you were so into yourself. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Jamie. It's so, your show. So wrapping up the wrapping up the Wizardator, Handel. What? What? Uh, any? Any final? Oh no. So 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 yeah. It's it's, it's just uh like he said. It's like a fake penis. Um, it, the, the the color of it they come with different colors. Different comes in like, like uh, white, Does black. Does it come in chocolate? Chocolate, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. But 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 the thing is, it doesn't it doesn't match the tone of the skin very well. So if if you're yeah, like, but they be two tones sometimes. It, okay, yeah. Jesus, but but if, if you're a white person and and the, and the wizard is gray, you look like you're dead and it's about to fall off. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the urethra is like mad. Big like so a Coke bottle. Yeah, it's, it's kind of bad. All right, wow. well, guys, be- handles. Thanks, Tibby, that was fascinating. Honestly, dude, can you stop <laughs> calling Rachel our sweating. intern? Can you stop calling Tibby? I want to see one of these things. Handle, handle just hit me with a bamboo stick. So I think that's the end of the ride for today. <laughs> and now it's time for the world famous exclusive. You've been you skipped the whole show to come to this segment, the fake news. The views, opinions, and insinuations made by Frank Nibbs do not necessarily reflect or represent those held by the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Live from La Gran Manzana, it's Frank Spirison News with Frank Nibbs. Hello! What's up, Frank? Yo, I'm in awe. I'm in awe right now. All hail to the chief! (laughs) You deserve that! Hey! The LeBron of fake news! (laughs) Fake news. Well, guys, today I got a I got a pretty good one here today, guys. Ooh, better. Ooh. I've been looking than at this week. one for a while, and I I started marinating on it, and um, this one is I just <laughs> I need everybody to hang on. This is the this there's a theory right right now going around on um on social media that Walt Disney and Hitler pretty much pretty much are two and the same people. What? How yes. does that work? I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> Franklin D. Roosevelt, president back in 1941, sent Walt Disney to Argentina, which back then was a big stronghold for the Nazis. Argentina, Chile, uh, that part of South America. And he sent them down there. At the same time, Hitler went down there, and they did, like, plastic surgery on Walt Disney. And Hitler was huge into the arts, and he always wanted to be Walt Disney. Okay? And he came back into the States as Walt Disney. Now, you guys probably say I'm crazy, but if any of you want to watch uh, um, a whole series of videos on YouTube called Art in the Third Right, they talk about Hitler and how much he was into the arts. Hitler, when he was an adolescent, wanted to be an artist. He was a great artist at that, and he always wanted to be a Walt, a Walt Disney. Now, remember also, we have uh, Arnold uh, von Braun, which was uh, the the mad scientist that the United States took and the Majestic 12, and they became what we call today NASA, the space agency. Mm. So it's not too far-fetched to think that we brought all these German scientists and all these people, and we couldn't bring Hitler over here, okay? This is the theory behind this. And we see how Disney right now, how they're involved in everything, and they're taking over almost everything when it comes to the arts. Yeah. yeah. Right? So what happened to Walt Disney then? We don't know that. <laughs> That we don't know. That we Wait, don't know. I thought he was like I. I thought he was iced up. Like I thought, you know, when oh uh, they froze him. They froze him. Yeah. There's a lot of theories behind. There's a lot. There's a lot of theories. Oh, oh frozen. but I mean, mm. I mean, frozen. you, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, which that's the movie. based on Walt Disney's death. And Just I think went, about that for a moment. I don't know if any of you have been to. Di- to... 
Thank you. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about going to walk to Disneyland. I don't know if you have, any of you've been to Disneyland. Disneyland. Yeah, I love Disney. Disneyland world. is something like Disney Epcot world. Center is like. I mean, it's out of this world. Their 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 technology is like on another level. How would you get to that level unless you have money, you have funds? So, guys, think about this. Also, Hitler had one of the best cinematographers, Hollywood cinematographers in the 30s and 40s. Her name was uh, Lena Rothenstahl. She, as a matter of fact, got blacklisted in Hollywood. She did some of Hitler's best films mm. when it comes to cinematography. She knew angles when you see the marching bands yeah, coming. Yeah. So what, she got rehired once Walt Disney came back? No. <laughs> Mike, stop it. <laughs> Anyway, she got she got blacklisted, and she was like, I mean, you guys have to look her up. She's like one of the best cinematographers yeah. at that time, wow. and she was the one that did. And Hitler was when every time Hitler took over any city, the first thing he did was take over the museums, give everybody Mickey Mouse ears. That's right, <laughs> that's right. He was in touch with the ETs. He was in touch people from the, the bottom ETs. of the earth. Yes, he was in charge the with movie? the aliens. He knew about aeronautics. He knew about robotics. He knew about all that. And the, he Walt was a Disney goofy. was. There you go. Oh, Jamie. Look, I, look I, to be real, I always thought the Nazi Germany section of Epcot was a little bit weird. Mm. Like, I was like, really? Is this necessary? <laughs> and you see it in a lot of I'm movies. I'm going back to France. <laughs> you see in a lot. You see Star Wars, how they, you know, they put it in Star Wars. Look at all that, you know, Dark Vader. Look at the guys in white. That's all Nazism. Okay. So okay. at the end of the day. And, you... and by the way, sorry, there's, there's a lot of uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons that have a lot of Nazi uh, symbolism and a lot of Nazi propaganda in it now. If you go to YouTube oh, yes. right now, you would see it right now. So a lot of people are like, yo, why all this, all this Nazi propaganda and all these Mickey Mouse uh, uh, cartoons from back in the day? So that's another thing that people are like, yo, how the hell did that get into Walt Disney's mind? I was on the Disney cruise last year. Uh-huh. And, you know, they show the Disney stuff 24-7 on television. And so I'm in the little cruise room watching the old school Disney, like um, Mickey mm-hmm. cartoons. He was like running around with machetes and shit. Get There's the like fuck out drops of, of blood. I'm like, how did they show <laughs> Which this? Which cruise were you on again? Yeah, I know. What they were you did, I think the Disney cruise. It might have been the Hitler cruise. I don't fucking know. No wonder my room was hot. I I'm sure you were calling. watching like the Saw movies or something. It's fucked up. <laughs> I was like, can you please? Like the air conditioner is just not working. It's getting really hot in here. Um, my people had it hard, you know, the Jews. We really did. Yeah. But the cartoons were very super violent. Yeah. So if anybody ever wants to check out those Mickey Mouse cartoons from back in the day and you see all the Nazism in them, it's a lot of propaganda. There was a reason why they put that in there. Next, you're going to tell me Hanna-Barbera like, had a lot of satanic fucking messages in there and shit. Yo, Yogi Bear, yo, watch. You see he has horns and shit. Watch. Right. Under the hat, he has like horns that he's You don't think Wilma looked like the devil? <laughs> Come on, son. Red I mean, I, se- I sent you guys. She had a bone in her hair. Oh, hey, guys, nice. th- let me tell you something. Horns. I sent you guys. I sent you guys a, a, a picture of a, a cartoon picture of Donald Duck doing the the high Hitler sign, right? To, 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 right? Didn't I send you that? That was from the that was from the forties or fifties. Oh my so god! So yeah, it was Donald, it was there for a reason, guys. Donald Duck's always been like an asshole. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Frank. Like, You're welcome, guys. News. Thank you. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've ever used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. 
In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride-sharing services too. Yo, cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. The Audio Podcast Fellows Training Program at Stony Brook, Southampton, and Manhattan is designed to guide you step-by-step in everything you need to know about crafting your own podcast and presenting it to the world. They instruct students in writing for audio, interviewing styles and techniques, recording basics, digital editing, pitching ideas, marketing, branding, distribution, monetization, and much, much more. Through this training, they also provide you the skills for you to potentially work as a podcast host or producer, writer, researcher, editor, engineer, as well as in any other capacity within the rapid growth among podcasting companies looking to recruit qualified employees. And they have amazing guests from across the industry. They provide over 100 hours of instruction over eight and a half months, September to May. Classes are once weekly during the evening so that you can keep your day job while learning and comprehensive developing new storytelling and entrepreneurial skills. They offer classes in both the Southampton, Long Island and Manhattan campus locations. Accelerate your dream, people. Create your own podcast like Latinos Out Loud. Apply at stonybrook.edu slash podcast fellows. All right, you guys, it's that part of the show where we interview somebody freaking amazing. I can't believe he's here, but I'm so happy. You guys, he's a playwright, TV writer. He's one of the most creative people I think I've ever encountered. A Tony Award winner. Please put your hands together for Mr. Lemon Anderson. Woo! Yeah. What are you nuts? Hey, 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 I'm walking over here. Hey. Oh. Move over. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Bensonhurst. <laughs> Yo, I dogs. got beat up in Bensonhurst. You know, girlfriends. Uh, she put the I hit, serious. She put the hit out on you? It was bad. It, you know, nobody wants to get a BMX bike thrown on them. I was like, a BMX bike? You hit me with a BMX bike? Came out of nowhere? Like, yo, hold on. I held on to that shit. You know when you, you know, get beat up, you hold on to something? I held on to it. If you're going to throw it at me, I'm going to keep it. This is going to block me from all the punches. Damn. I was 16. Before, I was young. Was yeah. Everyone got jumped in my... Yeah, of course. This is before people could Facebook threaten It was a rite of passage. <laughs> you were initiated. Yeah, basically. You're in, kid. Yeah, there you go. Have you, like, paid it forward, thrown a bike at anybody else? <laughs> no, just... no, no. I've killed them with kindness, blood everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We're friends. Yes. We have been supporting each other's okay, projects yes. for quite some time. Yes. I have a great memory of seeing you do your one-man show at the Public Theater. Yeah. So let's just talk about, just let everybody know, because I introduce you in mm-hmm. saying like what you do, but let everybody know what you do. I I do so much. I, I kind of get in where I fit in. Uh, look, I, I was a talent on the other side, always, right? I was a talent in front of the camera. I was a talent. I was a voiceover talent. And I just felt like every time I saw a script, every time I saw any writing, I just felt like I could do that instead, right? And I felt that when I was an actor, when I was a poet, it was never enough. It was like, we got to be great. Greatness always gets you in the room. I always felt like that was it. Like, they will never turn down greatness. And so when I started as a poet, 
slamming wasn't my thing. It was just like, no, slamming is not going to work. Slamming is not going to transcend. It's not going to change the audience I want coming to the theater, coming to the cafes. And so I started to kind of heighten or ask questions about what's the next level. And so I've always been like that. And so in that case, so I, I was like, what is my ignorant friend who would laugh at snapping and poetry? What would he like or what would she like? And then I started studying those kinds of writers, the, you know, the Miguel Pinedos and the Willy Beldomos and, you know, the Tato Lavieras and the guys who were really transcending our culture and our stories, our American Latino stories. Uh, and I started biting their styles and really absorbing and soaking them up. And they became a part of my DNA as a, as a writer. I did the same thing with screenwriting and script. All I did was just steal everyone's stuff because all I did was type their material into a computer until I had it in my fingers. Uh, I did the same thing with voiceover and copy. It was just like, oh, you know, I was doing all these voiceover where I was keeping the scripts. I was just keeping all that stuff but as material and going to these brands and saying, I could do this too and do it better. That's really what I do. That's a hustle. Yeah. yeah, that was the hustle. And they, and I was I was getting better every time and I got turned down hundreds of times. I mean, people were just like, and I just started, I knew one thing. I knew that if I kept these, if I was in it for the marathon and I felt like if I was with these guys at a young age, if I started with these young guys, that 10 years later there would be VPs and I was right. And all these guys are turning into bosses, and now um, I'm a creative director at an agency, as nice. well as, and I get to hire my people, and I get to work with my own people, and I get to hire brown people, and put Amen. them in really great positions of power, and allow them to, you know, learn the system. You know, same thing with uh, working in Hollywood, working as a television writer. Uh, Spike Lee really trusts me, and he tr he trusts my integrity. I come, I show up early and leave late. And I show up with my talents. I show up with my peoples. When I say talents, I mean my peoples. Like, this is a great actor. Work with them. This is a great uh, writer. Work with them. Like, and I'm not afraid to bring people to the table. And that's another thing that I wanted to do because I know how sometimes when I was coming up, Latinos were guarded. That this is my time. This is my moment. Yeah. And I that, but I was left without a job because of that. Right. So I was like, when I eventually get on, I'm just gonna be cool with it. Like, if you end up becoming Spike's favorite, then that's just what it is. It's just, there's a thousand jobs and only one of you, not one of you, you know. So, so. When did the uh, relationship between you and Spike start? Was it with the one-man show? It started in Deaf Poetry. Because mm. I was doing, uh, I, I wore a Jim Brown jersey mm. on Broadway, and he felt like that was a big feat. You know, I was his favorite football player growing up. And so to wear a Jim Brown jersey, which also represented an activist, you know, Jim Brown wasn't only a football player, he was an activist. And so to wear that on stage, that became a conversation piece, right? And so me and Spike, he was uh, working on a pilot for a TV show called Sucker Free City. It was set in, uh, this is Anthony Mackie and Omari Hardwick's first shot. Anthony Mackie just came out of Juilliard. Omari Hardwick just came out of Atlanta. He got, well, actually, he was a football player. He was in the NFL. Omari Hardwick from Power. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And so we were all on set. And I just kept stepping away from the camera and seeing what the guy the guys were doing behind the scenes. I was just like, I got created a great relationship with Mike Ellis, who's his first AD. He told me all the war stories of do the right thing and and 25th hour. So I was really invested in what was going on behind the scenes. So, and then I I created a rapport. You see, that was the thing. You know, it's like I I just was like 
I, I want to create a great relationship with this man, this icon. So that way he can teach me respectfully. Like, because I didn't go, I didn't go to NYU Tisch, right? I didn't go to the schools that these guys have gone to, but I'm invested in my in telling our stories. I mean, I've always been like that. I've always been like that. I've always been like that. I've always been like, I've always felt responsible to my community. I felt like we are always, like I, I, I studied under New Yorican rule. I watched those guys and I felt like they, yes. they, somebody's missing in this picture. And it's just developers and producers. So how do I end up becoming that? And so I've wanted to do that with Spike because Spike felt, I felt like he was the right guy to learn with because I could fail with him. Right. If I'm loyal to him, he'll let me fail. Mm. So loyalty went a long way with Spike. As far as like when writing pilots or, or like spec scripts back, maybe even I would say like six or seven years ago, I would get advice from people saying like, don't, you know, don't make a character Latino or, you know, make it just make a character. But you don't want to be too urban because it's not going to sell. Right. And then now, you know, when we write any any pilots or anything that we write. We're specifically like, this is going to be a Latin story. We're confident now to actually mm -hmm. say we're going to mm -hmm. tell our stories. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't always like that. It was always like people would tell you, no, maybe you should just make it just you want it to be um, as, as mainstream as possible. You cast know what I mean? a wide net. Yeah, cast a wide net. And now it's just like, now, nah, why? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like Those people have no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. For real. They really don't. It's easy to say that. But the reality is, if you work, if you see it from the corporate down like if i because i'll share another story with you i learned a lot from a woman named lisa quiros who was oh, the head of time warner right she we just she just passed away mm -hmm. she just transitioned she literally threw me in the lion's den of corporate america same thing with nike i did a lot of work with nike and it was just like oh oh there's offices to this business right there's there's actual cubicles behind this story telling craft that i that i do that we all do and all they care about are numbers. So if we show up with numbers first, then we do their job. So then we can do our job. So I've always been trying to understand the market from a storyteller's perspective, right? It's like if you you can tell any story you want, if the numbers are high, doesn't matter, right? Next thing you know, they're going to feel like they discovered you, like Atlanta, mm. right? No one expected Atlanta to, to be that strong. I mean, it's really... There's a, it's a style unlike any other, right? It's, it has a, a texture to it that's weird. Even though we all know Donald Glove is amazing, you guys are all amazing too, right? So why can't they trust us the way they trust Atlanta to take risks? And eventually somebody inside that office building will take those risks if, if we show up to the table. So I'm looking forward to showing up to the table, right? Hmm. That's, that's the exciting part, which is we all have these, Latinos have human relationships, we have human complexities. That's our universal truth. We just happen to be Latino while we do it, right? What do you feel right now about the market? What do you feel about television right we now? We are the market. We are the market. We have to be confident that we are the market. There's no numbers like Latinos. None. We're global. But so then what's stopping it? Like, what is still the friction? What is it still like? Fear. Fear. Right? It's it's all fear. It's always based on fear. Come on. It's 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 one of those things, you know, desperation is a demon, right? Mm. It's like when we desperate we want this job. We all want this job. We all want to get on, right? We all want to get over that wall in the studio. Right? And so someone gotta say, Fuck it, I don't care about your wall. And I'm gonna back it up with integrity, right? I'm gonna back it up with great storylines, I'm gonna back it up with 
with an understanding of what you want as much as what I'm, I'm about to do. And I've learned that from understanding corporate America first. For example, again, and I don't do any, any, more, any more work with Nike, but Nike taught me a lot. Nike taught me like, I'm going to skip what everyone thinks basketball is about. And I'm going to go right to the guy who created the company and start with his philosophy first. Because this guy is the guy. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it there, it's the same thing. I, I do the same thing shit in television. You know, it's like, it's like, how do we cross promote this thing? How do we make this thing work? So we'll talk about She's Gotta Have It Too and what we're doing with that. You know, because we shot it in Puerto Rico. That's dope. Yeah. Wow. How did that become? Like, we could talk about She's Gotta Have It right now, but like specifically, <clears throat> who was behind and how was it that, how was that decision saying we're going to shoot this in Puerto Rico? Unfortunately, it was Hurricane Maria. Mm. Right. And it was like it wasn't about just it was about seeing how Spike reacted to Hurricane Maria and his relationship with Puerto Ricans growing up. And that's when I jumped in I said, the connection is there. Let me jump in and and try to find how we can. Well, just ask him. Right. It wasn't even that. I just asked him. I said, what do you think about, you know, telling a, a story about the history of of Puerto Rico and the Caribbean islands and, you know, and its relationship to the Middle Passage. And he's like, we're shooting in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. Literally, he, once he heard that, and we were at uh, the NBA All-Star game in Los Angeles. And he's like, and he fought hard, man. He fought, we fought Netflix hard. We fought him hard, you know, tooth and nail, like we're shooting in Puerto Rico. Tell us about the fight. What was the fight? The fight was, <laughs> the fight was, <laughs> He, again, you know, learning that he, you have to stand up to he these machines. You have to, you. <laughs> you have to stand up to these machines and say to, to them, we're worth it. This is important. This wow. is important work. This is service. This is what we're in the business of, right? We're in the business of creating jobs. Every time you write a role, that's a, that's a job. Sometimes that job turns into security. Sometimes that job turns into health benefits for a year. You know what health benefits does for artists? It gives you the freedom to be like, oh, shit, I could relax a little. I got, that's like 20% of my worry. Now I could create twenty with that twenty percent I didn't have, unless uh, that checkup don't come, come. The results of that checkup don't yeah, come yeah. back good. <laughs> like damn, what the fuck? I haven't been a doctor in a while. <laughs> so we were going after freedom. We were chasing freedom. We were chasing the freedom of like creating jobs on the island for people for creatives because we eighty five percent of our crew was on the island. Eighty five percent. Yeah, yeah. We left. We left our crew here. And we hired 85 percent wow. of our team. That's incredible. That's yeah, so dope. Yeah, yeah. That has to be yeah. a Guinness World it's, Record. It, they were also really talented, so <laughs> they really impressed Spike. Right? Spike wow. didn't see. He never knew how hard Latinos worked. Right? He just like he saw me. I was also in a room. It was mostly African Americans, mostly women, and it's a woman's show. Right? It's like based on a woman's. A, the central character is a woman, and there's this one Latino in it named Mars who really stands out, uh, but. The episode is really about her coming to Puerto Rico, not about Mars being in Puerto Rico. And so I had to fight Netflix, you know, respectfully. I don't want to say like we were literally, you know, throw mm-hmm. blows, but they wanted it to be more about Mars. And I was like, no, this is about an African-American woman who discovers there's Africans in the islands. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's like that's and then the conversation is about the Middle Passage. Right. So that's really our journey. Right. You know, like we are the ports of the Middle Passage. And how does that become a part of the dialogue in the scenes, right? How does that, how do we make those connections? And so, and they got it. And they were like, okay, that's, 
that's different, right? A visitor comes and realizes how African these people are. Uh, and then there, there becomes a conversation. And, you know, the Orishas are in it, Yoruba's in it, and, you know, Bomba y Plena's in it. And, you know, wow. we had to fight like, you know, Bomba, Bomba y Plena, they didn't want to do Yoruba music because they don't really connect those communities. And you had to fight them and say, you're going to do that in this episode. You guys are going to come together in this episode. And, you know, Spike fell in love with the island. That's another thing. So he shot this thing. It's another level. Like what parts of the island were you shooting? Loisa. We went to Loisa and we found out a lot of history there. We, we couldn't go too far in because we would have to drag a crew out. And that just spends a lot of time. We only had eight days to oh, shoot. Shit. one You know, one episode. Uh, we got a surprise in it. Rosie Perez is in it. Actually, I could tell nice. you that. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's in it. She's nice. in it. She's in the episode. And she, to me, is the ideal Afro Latina. She was the first person I ever saw that looked like my sister on television. Oh, on film, right? I saw her do the right thing. I was like, holy shit, that's my sister. Right. Right? Where, you know, I love Rita Moreno, but, my, but Rosie Perez had, you know, the nose and the dancing. I was like, oh, that's my, my sister. The whole And I couldn't get everything. Exactly, right? So having to write for her and work with her and her schooling the other actors, the young actors, like she was showing them how to do this. Mm. It was so dope. I mean, it was, and then, you know, I mean, you know, Oshun showed up all the time. This is not something we were trying to do. She just showed up. It was like, she, she, she came as a little girl. A little girl came in a, it, it, I'm telling you, this is, so this was very wild. spiritual. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a wild experience, but very a, fulfilling in the yeah, sense yeah. that when you're able to do something, create content, art, but then have that, uh, yeah, especially yeah, in the yeah. period of time right now, was going on. That that yeah. and draw so many parallels too with the story and the place and the time. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. It it was divine. It wasn't something we were like aiming for. So cool. Now, uh, <laughs> now the main back to the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> back to the comedy. <laughs> Go ahead, Jamie. No pressure. No pressure. No, I mean, this is... You better say something I'm funny. You better, bro. Come on now. I got my serious... Go for it. Go for reading it, glasses on. I don't, but... I don't know. And you're both equal, so I know you're feeling... Right. You know, because I'm married so, yeah, to I'm one and I'm feeling... Right. Yes. Now. Okay. Um, no, but actually, you said, you know, the main character is a woman in this show. Is there... Was that a cha- Is that a challenge as a, as a man to... to, to, to if you're writing specific things for that character, do you feel like sometimes you need to kind of... I'm in defense of the men. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm getting nailed to the cross, too, in the room. It's like, they're not having it. Like, I have to defend the men, right? I have to defend the choices that these men make when a woman makes a, a bigger decision, right? So if there's a scene and the woman's super powerful and it's, it's you know, you can support that, but it can't be abusive, right? Because I... I write the backstories to these men with Spike, right? Or Barry Michael Cooper, who wrote New Jack City. He's in the room with us, too. Mm. And, you know, we have to defend the men. We have to defend the reason why the men are the way they are, right? It's just not like, okay, this is a machismo man. Well, wait a minute. How was he raised, right? Let's find that. So that way there's a relationship to the kind of viewer I want watching the show, which is a male viewer who sees themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was tough. I mean, I was getting my ass kicked. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there something that before you... I was you, getting my ass kicked in that room. Before you yeah. ever even stepped in a, in a, in a writer's room for a, you know, mm-hmm. a TV writer's room, is there something that you surprised that you, you've you learned 
while being there that you didn't know before or you didn't you know think that was kind of because it seems like you guys are going back and forth a lot on some really mm-hmm. deep conversation did you did you, did you assume then that, that might be like that or you just thought it was like all right you guys we're gonna pitch stuff blah, 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 you get the script that that but it does, is it more to it than you expected every writer's room is different yeah right so you're in a netflix writer's room you're not the upfronts is different, right? So people like aren't thinking about selling ads. That's not what a Netflix writer's room versus a TBS writer's room versus an NBC writer's room. There, there are people in the room, especially showrunners, who are conscious of like the conversation they have to have with the executives. That's not our room. Yeah. We have Spike Lee, which is why I wanted to get out. I was like, okay, I need to know this how to do this legitimately. Because Spike isn't, he's a Picasso of filmmaking, right? He thinks like that. He acts like that. He don't sleep. He's a, he is the Leonardo da Vinci of, of our stories. And he is an anomaly in that way, physically. Like, he's just not like anyone else in the world. And you see that. And so you know you're not in a normal room. That's what I became conscious of. So I was always aware, like, this is not a regular room. Mm-hmm. Let me be mindful of what the regular rooms are like, because this, this will end. You know, Lemon, the trajectory of your career is, is like this very sharp turn left sharp turn right this route that is very inspiring and i want to know like at one point were you like all right time for a sharp left and veer away from poetry and go here Mm -hmm. all right time for a sharp right and go into the tv writers rooms did you have conscious moments or like how were they just you know, God-given gifts of like a new opportunity. How did you know, or how do you know when to maneuver in your career? Well, first, I, I miss poetry the most. It's my first love, right? I, I love poetry. There's nothing like poetry in my soul and my heart. It's, it's. I, I, I write scripts that way. I read scripts that way. So the best scripts I read are the ones that are poetic, right? The ones that have really great description. The dialogue flies really well. Sometimes the dialogue is subtle, but it's set up. So I'm always a poet. But the actual, the work of writing poetry is what I miss. Unfortunately, I don't do it enough because I took on this responsibility that I do enjoy. And I had to make that sharp turn because of the responsibility of my community. Right? I really, I'm consciously aware that my, my job is to serve my community because no one served me as an actor. No one served me as a talent. And I felt like I, I could do this. I know what it's like to land a job. I know how it feels to land a job and how good it feels, how it buys time. What if I can do this for other people, right? That's the service I'm in because I love community and I love social justice. I just can't be on the front line like that, right? It's just I don't have the time because I'm in the creative world as much as I would like to be, you know, fighting for Mumia, but, you know, it's... I just feel like this is the real action I want to take as a as an activist, like the talent, the talent I know I'm around. So that's those are the sharp turns. They come out of that. They come out of responsibility because I just know how to I get in these rooms, guys. Come on. Like if I get in these rooms and I'm aware, then if I could take some action behind it, then I can probably hire the person who's a lot smarter than me, who looks like me, who I can probably work with a long time. Right. Like Tanya Saracho is a good friend of mine. I started with her. Dope. Nice. We started together at Sundance. And we looked at each other and we were like, this playwriting shit is not working. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's great. But we got to pay bills. 
We got talents we want to work for. We had these conversations like eight years ago in Wyoming, three weeks, 25 below zero. We would look at each other and be like, we got to do something. She would cover the, the, the Southwest region. I would cover the Northeast region, right? The American Latinos from the Northeast, you know? And I look at you guys like I'm inspired by that because I see this. I know this. It's here. It's in the circles, in the cipher. Then this is going to happen, right? You guys are writing. You guys are putting it down, right? You guys are thinking. Eventually, all that content is going to turn into or turn in to the hands of someone who knows how to develop it for a network who, who respects that person. Because it is that person. That person who can walk you in the door. Are you guys fucking listening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turn the volume up, people. Press, press We're rewind. loud enough. Go back and listen to it again if you have to. We'll wait. Lemon, uh, I want to take a sharp turn in this next question. Ooh, nice. Are we getting deep? Is as, it too deep? As a, as a family you know, I write man. comedy too, right? Where did you get your name, Lemon? There we go. So, That's it. so I'm the only one in my. I'm the only one in my family who's a half breed. Everyone else is a, a Mercado and Quiñones. My Please father, elaborate. Yeah, so my mother, I'm the youngest of my brothers and sisters, of my siblings, and my mother got tired of dating Latin men. She was like, done. That was it. It was the 70s. She was like, and everyone was getting high and shit. Mentirosos. Yes. So my father was a Norwegian man from Red Hook, just came out from, came from the war. He came home from the war. He was a professional bowler, Norwegian man, and... She fell in love with him, right? And uh, but he, she was too much for him. He left. He, he left the house. But they had me. They made me under a sycamore tree, right? Somewhere in Gowanus. Wow, um, I love that lady saw reggae reference. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Under the sycamore yeah, tree. Exactly. Exactly. So it is a, it's a lady saw reference. Um, yeah. So no, I, I and then so I just looked different in my neighborhood. I looked like. I stood out. I was very blonde, very white. My brothers were straight trigueño, like the fellow, wow. you know. And so they call me Cabeza de Limon. And so I turned from Lemonhead to Lemon. We we met each other halfway. But like, hey, Lemonhead's wow. not a word. And so that's, that's, awesome. how I got, that's how I got the name Lemon. Yeah, yeah. And fast forward to 2019, you got your little emoji that you could just put Yeah, I do right have my own little emoji, yeah. But my it wouldn't be the emoji yeah. on, on the Hershey bar, though. But. That's it. My shit would be like... Just CBD. Yo, not for nothing, you should look into a lawsuit with the candy, a lawsuit with the lemonhead candy. Right. Because that sounds like yeah. copyright infringement if you right? ask a Jew. And I well, know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should I, look I, into that. I, I, I think I look like the lemonhead candy now. I, didn't look like I think I look like the little guy now. At least my hairline is like his. Um, family man. You have three daughters. Yeah, I live in a house full of women. And yeah, so tell us the, <laughs> that, and, and as an artist, and as a father, what advice are you giving your three daughters right now? Oh, they don't listen to me. <laughs> you know that's not happening. Come on, man. They're not, listening. They're not listening to me. I don't care how deep. My friend, their friends love me. Their friends like, they. Sh I should be charging them for the kind of shit I tell them. You know, it's like, uh, I started young. You know, I started having kids at a young age, but I didn't have a family growing up. So I lost my mother and father at 14 and I had to raise myself after that. And I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. I wasn't looking to have multiple girlfriends. I was looking to have a doña. So I met my doña and 
she smelled like fried chicken. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to keep this one. You know, this is the one I like, you know, because I grew up with home cooked meals. And, you know, my mother was fast. So uh, she reminded, and that's it. We just, I, and then raising them was a struggle. It was a struggle being an artist, being a professional artist and raising them and realizing, okay, I got to step up. And that, that was part of it. That was part of the internal understanding of how to be a working artist was the pressure of having to raise children as well as be, being a working artist. So they helped me out a lot. And I have an interesting relationship with them because they're teenagers now. Yeah. Oh, killing me, man. Oh, man. I'm hosting, I'm hosting prom night. I'm hosting after. You know, I'm hosting the after prom because nobody fucking touching my daughter after the prom. Ain't nobody touching my fucking. That's it. So you guys come over to my house. So smart. Yeah. Very smart. It's happening. And right. even, even going back to thinking like a writer, like when you do they teenagers today kind of almost sometimes speak a different like language sometimes. I'm out of touch. Are you but do you learn from them? Are you like, wait, is you know, like, okay, this is this is the slang now or this is kind of shit, like, man. I can get deep. You know, my kids I I, I my first one I fail all the time because she's my first child, so I don't know what I'm doing. So every everything I do with her is a failure, right? I'm failing forward with her. My second child sees me failing with her. She doesn't want me. She doesn't want to do any of the shit that she does, so she avoids everything. She just gets good grades. And she's good at sports. Uh, and then my 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 baby, she'll never have to work a day in her life, because that's my my wife was like, you gave me three girls. The third one is yours. I wanted a boy. You gave me three girls. So the third one, that's on you. You got to take it out care that one so wow it's crazy my house is i got a key to my bedroom I, like i don't even walk through that house i'm telling you i literally have a key to my bedroom so that i don't have to walk i don't know i don't want to see shit i don't want to see shit i don't want to know what's going on with teenage girls i'm telling you this shit is that really happens yeah they're crazy you know he needs some milk Basically. Yeah, I really, I'm very in tune to what you're saying because I'm in that, I'm not going to call it a struggle. Okay. But I have the two boys yeah. that I take care of and I am trying to figure out how to still be a fucking artist. Mm -hmm. And every day I go to sleep and I'm like, I wasn't an artist today. I was only a mom. I failed at being an artist today. Really? Yeah. Wow. I guess I'm not alone. It's good. And and last week's episode with Lynn, I, I forgot to say this in the beginning of the episode, he also said something that I was just like, yeah, man, that's true. As parents, I don't know if you feel this way, Lemon. Again, when I go to sleep at night, I'm like, I almost did it. I almost made it today. I almost did everything. I oh, I was right there. You know, I every night I'm constantly I'm like, mm -hmm. I wasn't there. I, I, you know, I didn't like in the fucking carnival, like the guy with the hammer. Bing. Yeah, yeah. So fucking close. So yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. I'll say it. I'm, I'm with sort you. of struggling with I'm that with right you. now. I'm with you. I struggle all the time. You know what it is? Sometimes we forget that, like, I, I, we don't really, like, we, we're very passionate about our happiness and chasing the glory, right? We all, like, sometimes I, I work with talents and it's just like, oh, you don't want to be, you, you, you want glory in your life. You really don't. You want to feel like, you're living, like life is happening. Life is happening right now. And you think this job is gonna fulfill that. And that's not the truth. Cause the job just puts more pressure to keep it. Uh, and so that creates sleepless nights, right? So you haven't really got there yet where the consistency of like losing sleep while having kids 
it's you got to be very careful and that's about to happen because it's about to happen right <laughs> uh that's you know that's a whole nother level and you're at the the early part of that right your voice is so important mm-hmm. and you let me know how i could do to change that shit Ooh. you know okay. i mean i just like hearing sometimes when you feel I'm, I'm i'm waiting to be in a room full of brown people i'm excited that's that to me is the goal many rooms just brown people just yeah. people latinos writing stories having great developers executives who could trust us to really pull it off and fail 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 until the shit is just right right i can't wait Well, I'm going to end with this question because I know there's a lot of young people listening right Mm -hmm. now looking for a little inspiration, motivation, maybe interested in what you're doing um, as your job, income. How do they get there? Give them some words of advice on how to get there, whatever path they're choosing right now in the field. Read read a ton of work. You're only good as your library, right? I mean, you have to be be loaded with material because that's the language in the room. Right. The language in the room is that you're smart enough to speak to the person across from you who went to Harvard and quote other writers just like they can. Right. That's the real language in the room because they always know. But what they don't have and what they can't buy is your experience in life. And so you have that one over on them. Don't hang it over their head because kindness is gangster. Right. Just make sure that you master your craft by being a great student. I mean, one time for Lemon Anderson. Yeah, God. One, one time, two times, three times, however many times. Class up in this shit. I'm about to update my library card. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the Kelo You guys, it's time for Kelo Que. So, dímelo, Kelo Que Loco, Lemon, Lemon Anderson. Shout out to Spike motherfucking Lee, as he likes to be called by me, uh, the mayor of Brooklyn, New York City. Uh, she's got to have it, season two, episode seven. Uh, shot in Puerto Rico. Uh, shout out to everything brown and beautiful. Hashtag uh, Latin excellence. Ooh. Shout out to... The last OG, I'm coming on board for season three. Yeah. What? Uh, to produce the last OG for Tracy Morgan. So I've been in the room with Tracy Morgan just developing. Oh, wow. Damn. Dogs. So you know I'm gonna push, I'm gonna push those brown narratives up in there somehow. We're gonna work it out. Uh, but most most importantly, shout out to integrity. Shout out to working hard. Shout out to believing in your own dreams. But most importantly, waking up for them dreams and going after it. So <laughs> here we go. You asked for a poet. You got a poet, man. This is Everybody taking notes or should we talk slower? You could adjust the speed of the podcast. You could put it at half speed if you really need to hear Lemon's words slower. Because that's fucking Lemon Anderson for you. I'm proud of you guys. I'm inspired by you guys. I can't wait to work with you guys really soon. I can't wait to learn from you guys. I I follow everyone here. So I know how smart you guys are. I follow you guys as dope ass writers and thinkers. I see you brought Oz in the room. Yeah. We need him. We need Oz's. We need Lynn's. We need to meet Lynn halfway with great integrity as well. He's got a lot of resources. But, you know, Lynn is not at another level 
he's actually in the, in the heights waiting for us to go cross that bridge and be like, this is my idea and this is the world and these are the characters and this is why your people are going to love it. Bang, you know? Well, thank yeah. you, bro. We thank appreciate you, that, man. man. And our listeners yes. appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, guys, so it's my turn. And obviously, we have to shout out Fuchila Fresheners. They were dope for the live show. We get so, Someone got some a bunch of Fuchila I stuff, I mean, Volta right? Mercado Air Fresheners, Platano Air Fresheners, Que, que lo que. Yeah. Shout out to Fuchila. And, you know, we have a discount code. We do. It's uh, LOL10. So you go to the website, fuchilafresheners.com, and you can get stuff for 10% off and it's amazing and I have a few around my house yeah they even make Mike's house smell good so you know they're, that's you know they you work. know you know it works when it's like that <laughs> yeah thank you Jamie I just knew that was coming uh for me personally uh Juan Bago on all the platforms Jamie yeah Jay Jay Ferns Instagram that's it Okay, and Rachel? Sure, my turn. Let's go. As always, a big what up to the peeps at Yero.com. That's double L-E-R-O.com, the news and lifestyle platform for Latino men. This week, they're getting deep with it, asking if, with the state of the world today, are Latino men dying or thriving? Check that out on Yero.com. And I have a show coming up, people. Okay? All-female variety show, little thing I call Comedy Derailed, a hilarious variety show. That is happening. Yes, it is on June 27th. You can get tickets. They're quite affordable at comedyderailed.eventbrite.com. That is comedyderailed.eventbrite.com. We'll also include a link in the notes. Please follow me at Rachel La Loca. A big, wonderful shout-out to our guests today, Lemon Anderson, if you will. Deep. Masterclass. I mean, freaking mm. cut that up and just play a little bit of every day, every day for the rest of your life. Just play a, like a few seconds of this podcast <laughs> every day. And now I don't think the show's over yet, is it, Fago? No, it's not. So we have the honor about three weeks ago, was it? That we were at the press junket for Vida for stars. Now we want to tell you right now the series season two comes out. When this episode comes out, so make sure Thursday. you yeah Thursday. Make sure you watch every episode of season two. It's freaking amazing. Download the app. Do what you gotta do. We have to support. It's an all Latin X writers room. That's freaking dope. Um, any other thoughts, Rachel? Well, the show just covers so much that we see around us in our everyday lives. Things that I don't think have ever been shown on television before. So we got a sneak peek. Did you watch the episodes that they Mm -hmm. sent us? Membership has its privileges, as they say, because we got a sneak peek of the season. And we also got to talk to some of the stars. So let's just get right into it. What's up, everybody? It is us. Rachel Aloca and Juan Bagos. And we are here doing something so special. Mike, it is an honor to be here at the press junket for Vida coming out with season two on Stars, baby. Yes, and you'll be able to stream all the episodes at the same time. I mean, download the app, people. It's such a good show. It just speaks to so much that we stand for here at the podcast as Latinos. It's moving us forward. It's putting us on the screen, baby. So without further ado, let's just get to it. Mm-hmm. Well, the way this is going to work, people, is we are going to have two rounds of interviews with the stars of the show on Stars. stars. Duh. So the first round is going to be, and they're walking in like momentarily. So the first round is going to be with the showrunner, Tanya Sarracho. It's going to be with actress Chelsea Rendon and actor Carlos Miranda. Here they come, here they come, here they come. 
So my first question is, um, you guys are all returning back to season two. What are you guys most excited about? Um, what am I excited for in the journey in season two? Let's see. To get it in. No, I'm just Man. kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean. Come on, pobrecito. No lo chives, no lo chives. No, I just, uh, I'm just excited to see. I'm excited. I'm excited for the audience to see like Johnny's growth in it. You know, um, kind of. Uh, you know he's he's start he's starting out like you know he's in a rough place right now I feel like and um and uh I don't know you know I'm sh you I'm getting shy you emo right now. I, I'm shy you I got shy way? right now because you Take made me shot. nervous Wait, man man is he nervioso man hey would you say I feel like he... you put the spot on me freaking Chelsea no but did, would you say that he um ends in a good spot I think uh no uh this season yeah no where that's he ends yeah. Man. The last beat. Do you think it's a good beat? It's complicated, right? It's complicated. I think that's that's been the key word. Is like it's been com it, Johnny's just yeah. kind of complicated, man. He's uh, he's been trying to he's trying to get the pieces back together in his life right now, you know. And um, I, I'm a proud mama. I'm yeah. the creator. I'm not a and uh, you know I'm not one of the characters, but I think the work you've done this this. Um, it's a hard role. I he really cheated on a pregnant woman for a season, and they came for him. Yeah. You know, those scenes were intense. It was, but but then, <laughs> I mean, do you, yeah. hopefully you get it because these two have a connection that's beyond beyond. You know, and um, and second season they see themselves play that out, like trying to do the right thing. Tr but yeah, that's trying real to do the right, yeah. hard. hard. But they are both, and I think they, Lynn too, mm -hmm. legit are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard too. Like, it's hard to, you know. Yeah, he's trying to like kind of work things out. With, you know, he's got a kid still on the way. You know, what I mean, like nothing's changed in his besides the fact that he's got dumped by his, this girl that he left everything for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to do all that when you're running into the person. Oh, constantly, they live you know in the same mean? neighborhood. Yeah, like, you know, it's kind of like, all right, I'm gonna, and you're running into the the person that that you're literally feeling the way you're feeling. Because of you know what I mean. It used it's to like, be easy because she would go. Away. She was gone. Yeah, she would come, you know, but use them up, and that was the, that's the whole damage. She was that like, they have. Num, 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 num. Use them up, spit them <laughs> up, go away, and then he could heal, and he could like change these things about his life. Like he could like you know what did you say? You stop eating pork. Yeah, and you stop <laughs> eating, and worked out. Yeah. I mean, which is what he did yeah. initially, right? It was yeah. like he you know he went through all kind of all this with with this woman, and and she broke his heart and she left, and he kind of moved on. You know, tried to have a new life, and she came and, I mean, she didn't, it's not like she came to do this on purpose, but, I mean, like, this shit happened. I mean, like, I mean, her mom died, so she had to come. Yeah, yeah, but, but I'm also, saying, like, let me come and, you know, for, I mean, unless, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like. It, she, she just, like, Lynn, who's not, you know, or the, the actor's not here, but um, she needs to mess things up. Either to feel alive, the to agent feel of chaos, like right? yeah, yeah, she's an agent of chaos, and she starts the first season agent of chaos, and second season starting to fix like she wants to fix that because she saw the ugly in herself, you know, and then it starts with a scene. I don't know if you've seen the first two. Um, it starts with a scene where she's like, "What am I even doing here?" And she, we see her pivot to a new um, stage of her life. So she's like leaving that stage. That girl throws up, you know, she looks around and she's like, what am I doing here? And so, and then it start her, her season starts, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that includes being a good, she wants to be a friend to Johnny. I don't know if she's equipped 
to be a friend. But yeah. she, I in her think mind, so. thinks, <laughs> no, I'm going to be a friend to John. Girl, like, in practice, that's harder said than done. Well, yeah, it's yeah. easier said than done, for yeah. sure. I don't, I, yeah. I don't been through stuff like that in my life. I want to go back to the authenticity of the characters. One of the strong points, we all know someone or have been in a situation similar yeah, to yeah. what we're seeing on the show. All that goes to Tanya and, and the, writers, the writers. Yeah, for sure. And that goes from stars saying yes to Tanya being like, I want an all brown room. And they were like, yes. You know what I'm saying? But it comes from that because they talked about it like most of the writers room is also queer. And so they talk about their aspects and they talk about their experiences in this room. And that's how stories get into the the show. You know, they use their experiences and that's the most real thing that you can find. And it's like brown people writing for brown people makes sense. Yeah, and we haven't been allowed to handle our own narrative for so long. But the difference is this. Vida is the difference. Like when the dominant culture handles our narrative... Or when we handle the reins, you know, and it, and it's and it's very female centered mm-hmm. because the show is female, you know, it's it's based mm-hmm. on these um, four, four females. So it it and there's one cis male on the show. Um, the rest are are um, Latina identified women, you know, um, and and I think that makes a difference. We have skin in the game, you know, like yeah. when we literally. divide. Literally, no. It, um, the wife of one of my uh, writers. Um, was just undocumented they're just getting their papers now they that's when they met when they met there um she was undocumented that it, it you don't see an immigration storyline but it it plays it, it plays on both yeah. both season it, it it's part of it's how part of what how we world. build yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. you know well that care like and you'll see it more um a little bit more in second season especially with your friend yoli um she you know it 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 it, it, ma- it matters the story even if you, you, we don't have a well now it's the immigration episode we don't do those things <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know? right 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 because it's a social political show it's not a political show it's a social political show the politics are embedded in the texture of the show we have uh, a Trump piñata you know the first episode that's it we don't say anything we people pay to hit the piñata that's it we don't have to say anything you know yeah um and oh my god, I really want my citizenship. Okay, sorry, just <laughs> why did I say that? But um, but, but you know what I mean. Like it's imbe- the, everything. Like our our feminism. You are walking. You are walking right. your feminism. Uh-huh. Um, but also you walk, you walk in your. You are a Mexican daughter, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you are steeped in the patriarchy. And your relationship, both both of you know, your John, Johnny's and Mighty's relationship are, are that is that you know the testament. The yeah. dad, the way she goes to get the chan class. It's like. I'm still the little girl. I'm the, I'm yeah. the, and I'm the, which is what happens to the, um, and I was like, you're also the proxy wife because you have to feed the dad, yeah. wash his clothes. It's also the brother's clothes. Like, what is it? But it's, but also she's like the wokest of all the characters. How does that happen? And but that's why I think wow. that's part of yeah. Mari's character is she goes and she's a part of the vigilantes to have a voice and to be heard because at home she's in this she's, trapped in yeah. this little, Pocket. Being this is the last question, what are some of your last thoughts on season two? We we are putting up some complicated women, especially, that in a way that we haven't gotten a chance to do before. But that is all meant to normalize and and find uh, just universal notes um, of family, of 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 uh, of reconciliation. Loss. Yeah. So like yeah. the ba- like if you distill it to its basic, you know, essence. It is a story about loss and family and rekindling and mm-hmm. and reunions, you know. Yeah. Um, and it continues to be. We've been otherized yeah. for so long. We've been and, other, and, yeah. Yeah, and get kept away from the narrative that it feels like, 
it, it just it just feels like look to, um especially this neighborhood of boyle heights uh we've seen the murals we've seen the outsides but this we are opening the door we're saying come in this is what it's like yeah. it might be uncomfortable but it also might be revealing you know yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful just... no it, it's just beautiful and i think that the main thing is to see a show with brown people written by brown people with brown people as the crew and to see it succeed yeah. And hopefully we get that season three and uh, then we get that season four and that helps other networks be like, damn, we should green light a show uh, about brown people. Exactly. That could work. Like shed a light on the on the, the community, you know what I mean? Uh, like, right, but not in the way, we've seen not, it not, one way. Right, yeah, it, it, yeah exactly. And yeah. We, we are that. I, I don't want to say that we're not that way. But, but we are We, we are, are that. We, we are the, the gardener, we are the cholo, we are the maid, but we're also the student, we're the also doctors, the mother. Yeah, the we're nurse, also Emma the, yeah. and we're also Lynn, whatever you feel yeah. about Lynn. But yeah, we're, we're you know, um, and I like I like the depictions. I also, I'm, like I said, a proud mama. I love the work that the artists are doing in the show, but like at every level, my cast, who's brilliant, um, my editors are all female. Uh, most yeah. of them are, you know, all my directors yeah, are dope. Latinas. Uh, all my right. Yeah. This is this is really um, as, the way it was made is almost as special as what you saw we're all making. the directors were women. Did you say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. All that. Th yeah, that was that was cool. Do you ever look around on set and be like, "Oh my God, look at us"? I do all the time, man. I be walking around looking like, "Yo, this is hella cool, man." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have those. Oh my God, this is amazing moments, and then your mom calls you and yells at you, and you're like, "Oh, I'm still me." Like, <laughs> I doubt. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Um, we are so excited for season two, and we got three more guests that we're going to interview. All right, we are ready for round two. This mm -hmm. is action packed, Mike. Are you enjoying Absolutely. yourself? Of course. And I'm the inspired. snacks here—the snacks here are so good. Oh my god! Yeah, the tea is on point. It's like the triangle tea bag. Those are yeah. like on fleek, the real ones. Can you All keep right. a secret? I put some stuff in my bag. You did. Why are you? We were invited to this bougie ass hotel to interview celebrities, and you're stealing shit. Of course, Mike. All right, if I'm going to come clean, I had to take those little spoons that I just stirred the tea with. I took like three of them. They're so cute. They're perfect like to put honey in the tea. All right, we have the next round of guests coming our way. And so we are about to welcome in Michelle Prada, Ser Anzuategui, and Roberta Colindres. Okay, Roberta, I'm going to get straight to it. How was it joining season two with the familia already together? I mean, it was a really like, I, uh, you know, walking into the table read the first day that I was there, you know, because I come in on episode three and walking into the thing, I was expecting all these like, because I don't know, there's like this heavy portrayal of, of Latinos that are doing well being like, you know, like kind of shitty to each other and a little sassy. And then all of a sudden I walk into this room and everyone's like, what's up? You know, and it was just like <laughs> so cool. Everyone was chill. I'd already met Mish, you know, at the audition, who was in character actually, so... Um, yeah, apparently and, uh, I was like rude, but I was like, was I? I was just trying to like get to. Work. No, you weren't rude. It was, but you were very like in Emma, and I was like, oh, she's like that. No, okay. I wasn't like. Yeah. <laughs> and then like it turns out that she's like the sweetest cupcake on earth, and it's like, you know, I you would know. I also was a little nervous with that chemistry because that was the, my first. I've never had to come back to a character before. And right. there was a part of me also knowing that Stars is going to be watching this chemistry read where I really wanted to kind of show up and, and use that as a space to kind of get back there. So, but yeah, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm was, just happy it was tight because I kept me on my toes. So it kept me on my toes. Because yeah. I, I was like, I'm stalking you. Like, I'm a big fan. <laughs> 
I was like, please come to my birthday. And she did. And I, and I was did. Like, I was like, two days later, I was like, what's up? With the authenticity of the show, did you guys have a process to channel a situation or a character? And do you have an example of that? I think it's a great thing, obviously, like the authenticity, because then, you know, it's not just general, right? It's like really palpable. Like I can go right into it and, and feel connected to that beat, my own heart. So for that, I was immediately like in. But it did like, oh, you know, I got to prepare myself for these really highly emotional scenes. So Tanya did let me know what's going to happen in one, what's going to happen in three, what's going to happen in six for season one. And so I, I was like, oh, I have to get ready. So I got ready in my mind for these uh, specific scenes, especially the bathtub scene and this episode six to get beaten up. So um, I had to pray. I meditated. I really try to get myself out of the way because um, having such a big role you know, as I don't know, I was like, I don't want to sabotage, you know? So I had to do a lot of work within to be like, and I related to a lot of it. And I was just like, please don't let me ass get beat. Like, like really, you know, well, this is a real thing. I'm like, I don't really don't. But uh, I just kind of, I also said, hey, uh, we first day of shooting uh, episode one, we had, we shot in Bull Heights, but we, we shot uh, behind Mercadito, El Mercadito. Mm -hmm. And there's a Virgen Otonancin, you know? And so I was just like, I went up and I just prayed and I just immediately felt this feeling, you know, this warmth feeling and this thing in my chest just warming up and I started to cry and I was just like, this, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I have felt like literally the ground in, of Los Angeles and Boyle Heights thanking me for doing that. I don't know, I'm getting emotional, but it's like, you know, that's kind of like you see, you hear like ancestors, you hear like indigenous folks, you hear like, you know, the LGBTQ people that like, you don't hear their stories, but mm -hmm. through this, that maybe they, people can be like, oh, maybe that's what some people go through and we don't hear about it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think I was really grateful because we had some time to kind of connect and yeah. work because I, I original oh, yeah. I mean I didn't have much time but mm -hmm. um I was really grateful because I think we needed to really create a safe space because I was finding like really kind of spewing this vitriol towards someone that I would gen generally like in my life like have so much love and compassion for and feel like but I would feel like I would do it and then I could feel myself pull back a little bit and like Emma isn't that so us kind of having those conversations and really connecting so that that felt safe and and you know, getting, I mean, I like, I think after the scene that I confront you mm -hmm. with the will and all that stuff, like, I think we just like held each other and I cried and I was like, I'm so sorry, like, ah. oh, you know, and just and kind of okay. like healing. It's okay. And for me as the playing Eddie, I need, I didn't realize I needed that as a, as an actor, like meaning like that really helped with the relationship for the characters to build to like, I want, I, I have a, I have a daughter. Like, you know, that's how it felt in that moment. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> Mom was like, I'm having a step parent moment. <laughs> I think for me, the constant reminder from like Tanya is just like you're you're having to come in from the outside into mm -hmm. this world and and having to see, you know, like I think Nicole's function is to kind of see what's going on and then kind of operate from within once once she knows what's what is identifies what is going on like with the relationships between everybody with like the two sisters and with Eddie and with everybody and it has to kind of defend her position there and also just like kind of level out the playing field between everybody. Let us know how important it was to have an all Latinx writers room. I think it was the most important. I mean, I don't think you get to really have the types of discussions that we, especially I think uh, kind of grow in season two without that. I love 
you know, the episode that we shot together in the wedding, like that table conversation, I think specifically came from a queer writer's room coming together and having these different points of view and probably arguing or probably having disagreements or whatever and having that end up on screen. And I think you can't have that when you have one person speaking on behalf of all of my people. Uh, and I think it's been that way for way too long. And with that, there's not one way to be queer. There's not one way to be Latina or Latinx or anything like, you know, the same way that there's not one way to be a woman or one way to be an American. So when we have all of these voices sometimes contradicting or having discussions, that ends up on the screen. And I think it's one of the most important things. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's yeah, you just don't how have I feel. to. You don't have to take all the time to do like the workshop phase of like understanding mm-hmm. stuff. Like you're already speaking from the same kind of yeah. perspective anyway. You're not like having to like say like you know sometimes people start a sentence with este, which is kind of you know like you don't have to explain all that stuff. It's yeah. just like yeah, you, you're already end. there, you know. Okay, a piñata is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a half of the room. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For my people, yeah. and they're like, "What? Why are you speaking that way?" Because like, you make me. Chingon means both bad and good. And you have to say yeah. it with this inflection, you know, yeah. like chingon. Like you're like, okay. Everybody at the same time, chingon. Or to not get direction, like, can you be more cholo, or can you be more like yeah. uh, a housekeeper? Yeah. Like, thank you. Like, oh, it's, it's ethnic. It's ethnic. And you're not laughing, but it's like and now you, you can tell and be like, oh. It's extra cool. To, I mean, I was born in Mexico, but I, you know, I my my mom is Argentine and said is Argentine, and so there was even that. Like, I grew up with so much Mexican culture, and was, you know, I grew up in Texas, so then it was like so close, and that was what I was receiving was all like the Mexican stuff, and then I come to set and I find out the fucking set is Argentine, and I'm like, what? Oh my god! I can suddenly like, ha- oh my god! You that know, that doesn't happen like ever. much in my experience, like. It's a beautiful thing what we're doing, and and it's just it's so exciting to be like breaking like like mind blowing people like yeah. what that's that exists this is real yeah, yeah. and if people like that isn't in Boyle Heights that isn't in the East Side and yeah. like well you can talk about Ser Ser yeah. is actually specifically yeah. <laughs> that specifically yeah. like yeah. Yeah. okay last question what are you most excited about in season two you know I'm I'm excited uh, we get to flesh out the world more this time around and I think that that is great so the first season you know I think uh, Melissa said something really wonderful in a past interview where it was like it was almost like a establishing shot where you're really establishing who these characters are and they're just where they are but we end season one with Emma holding on to all of this guilt that has happened for what's happened to Eddie and she feels responsible in reality. She is part responsible for that. Um, and then, you know, Lynn making this decision to kind of, like, really stay and work. And then they decide to be business partners, mm. let alone a family, really, is what they're saying. So it's like I'm really excited for this season because we start with that. That's the thread that leads from season one to season two. But then we get to meet all these other characters. And also, like, with just some of the most amazing actors I've ever gotten to work with, like Roberta and Raul, um, Adrián, um, Gonzalez, uh, Tonatiu, for, uh, who plays Marco, he was just in one, meant to be in one scene in season one, got brought on to in the second scene, and now he's part of our cast. We see more of Nelson and Luis, you know, and, <laughs> and it's just, it's, I'm excited for this world to be fleshed out and in a, such a public way and to have this, like, brown gaze, female gaze, queer gaze, and have, see where the intersection, it's not just like a part queer, a part brown, a part female, it's like, it's all 100% all of those things, and 
just I'm so excited for I mean I haven't even seen it so I'm excited for me to see it too I don't and, know if and, and I think I think the second season like your first question was just about like relatability and like mm-hmm. how you know you see yourself in these characters and I think like the second season is definitely like more you see more and more mm-hmm. of like who you are within these people and who yeah. they are in you and I think that's really special when you see that in a, second seasons of TV shows are often so like misguided almost it feels like you don't know where they're going with it and then this one just seems stronger like there was also more space to work the, yeah. the episodes are longer there's 10 of them you know so there's r- more room to tell the, the story the way that Danielle wanted to tell it I'm excited about it all to watch it I know <laughs> we want to see it yeah, we and to see, see how it. it complicates everything like it's, it's com- certain decisions complicate stuff and it's like it's gonna be surprising. So it's I'm complicated, that's yeah. for sure. It's, no, it's, it's complicated, easy. like a relationship. Yeah, nothing's easy with this with these <laughs> these people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks y'all. Thanks y'all for Thank supporting, so for loving for us. Oh, well, you know, whatever. We we, we get to be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for supporting. Did you say pride or die? Thanks. Pride or die. Yo, I just coined. Yo, you don't know what ride or die is. Yo, yo, no, 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 no. I said that. Right <laughs> May 1st, 2019, Pride or Die. Yo, that's like, <laughs> 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 shook right now, like, to the core. Yeah, Damn. Yeah, gracias por todo. All right, we have to shout out everybody who makes Latinos Out Loud pop every week. So the staff, the crew, everybody volunteering, everybody out there listening and leaving those heartwarming reviews. I mean, are you guys, do you not cry when you read them? Or is it just me? I don't. Okay, it's just me. It's but there's it's so beautiful to hear people like telling us that we're changing their mind state from all over the world, right? Yeah, London, Toronto, shit, Vancouver. We're making people laugh and we're bringing them to another dimension. That's powerful. (laughs) Wakanda, Jamie. They listen to podcasts in Wakanda. I mean, a lot of places. That's the point. No, I don't think we're in Wakanda. On that note, thank you everyone for your continued support. Please continue to leave those reviews. Send us an email. We are Latinos Out Loud at gmail.com. Follow us at We Are Latinos Out Loud. And on Facebook, we're there. On Instagram and on Twitter. What are we, Bago? Loca y Bago. There it is. Thank you, everyone. Great show. We out! Oye, mijo, ¿qué show es ese que están escuchando? Tremenda vaina. Hola amigos y bienvenidos a Tremenda Vaina, el show donde escuchas cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro, solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? Nos puedes encontrar en tu plataforma favorita. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Suscríbete hoy. Y esto es Tremenda Vaina. Tremenda Vaina. There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.